Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Hey, what's up, everybody? Alan Kenny, co-host of the Through the Keyhole podcast and Oklahoma Sooners fan podcast. Uh, we are fueled, of course, by Vanessa House there in Oklahoma City. So head on over, get uh, 401k, slush fund, what have you, your favorite uh, brews over there. It's, uh, I guess, going to be, what, our first midweek podcast of the uh, football season UTEP Miners on deck for the Oklahoma Sooners. I'm joined, as always, by co-hosts Peyton Guthrie and our producer, Matt Burton. Uh, Matt, let's start with you, man. What's new uh, in your neck of the woods? Nothing at all, man. Nothing at all. This was my uh, my last day off here um, before everything gets all crazy. So last day off until uh, Sunday. No sleep till Sunday, man. Uh, yeah. I'm, ready, I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Yeah. For those of you who aren't familiar, Matt is uh, handles a lot of the uh, post game production and whatnot for uh, the flagship radio station there in Oklahoma City doing OU games. So uh, Saturdays for him are kind of a whirlwind. Uh, they're also a whirlwind for our man Peyton Guthrie, uh, who's normally going to be, I'm assuming, tailgating, but this week will be at a. Uh, uh, well, tell us what you'll be doing this weekend, Peyton. Yeah, so this weekend, um, I, I plan on being in Norman for every home game, but this weekend uh, I'll be at the uh, Labor Day Festival for the Choctaw Nation. Uh, most of the Oklahoma tribes, they've kind of like coalesced their big national holiday around the Labor Day weekend. So I'll be in Tushkahoma, which means a uh, Red Warrior, uh, right in the by Lake Sardis uh, area. It's a about a four-day kind of event. We'll be doing a bunch of stuff. I'll be running around. Uh, filming living in a little cabin it's pretty nice we usually have about thirty thousand people who go through the area um dur- during the whole entire weekend so it's, it becomes a little city over overnight but it, it's a pretty fun thing but it's just going to keep me from being able to be in norman be at vanessa house uh for the for the uh post game podcast on sunday which uh, matt will do i was texting uh, zach the uh, owner of, of vanessa house and he mentioned that uh due to uh uh, uh, Matt's uh, undisclosed uh, location during the January 6th uh, insurrection. He's not allowed inside the uh, ferry. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we'll have to work that out. I won't out. make that public uh, on the podcast. I'll tell him where I was. I won't tell the <laughs> podcast or the public where. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, yeah, if you're going to be in the area and uh, you're interested, head on over there on Sunday to uh, for the our post-game wrap-up podcast. Matt Burton and I will, and I, I, Matt Burton will be there and I'll also be uh, phoning in or something to uh, get that going. But um, 
I want to start off, guys. We got a lot to talk about with, uh, you know, Brent Venables having his first press conference, the release of a depth chart, all that. But I've been something I've been kind of like kicking around in my head that I wanted to get your all's take on. Like, it's kind of funny because, it, like, I think the perception nationally of the Oklahoma football program, and more specifically, perhaps the fan base of the Oklahoma Sooners, is that everybody is all out of sorts or uh, up in arms, obviously about the state of the program since Lincoln Riley left and that it's, you know, giving everybody a lot of heartburn and whatnot about the future of the program. And it's kind of funny to me because I was thinking about it like, you know, an alternate reality in which Lincoln Riley didn't leave. And uh, instead, you know, he used the interest from other programs to, you know, get a contract extension at OU, maybe, a, you know, amass some more power in the athletic department or what have you over the program. And then people start asking questions about, you know, people start thinking about, well, why is Alex Grinch still the defensive coordinator at OU? And, you know, what happens when a bunch of guys transfer out, like Jaden Hazelwood, Marvin Mims? uh austin stogner and spencer rattler and, mm-hmm. and they go they go to south carolina and they start talking trash about the culture at ou uh you know what happens when people start wondering well what's going to be different about caleb williams making this jump in his second year compared to spencer rattler i mean williams also had his moments when he looked a lot like rattler last year in terms of just being erratic turning the ball over i mean i kind of feel like I'm not sure if I'd feel better about this upcoming season in that scenario than I do right now, having a new head coach, a new offense, new defense being installed, all of that. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, I'll jump in on there. That That's something I, I I haven't really truly thought about deeply other than just like the visceral reaction to, you know, you know the national cultural media type saying, okay, OU is going to go down. They should, they should have, you know, bowed at the feet of Riley and all this stuff. You know, I'm putting words in their mouths, but you know, it's, it's this idea that like, let's, let's say the Titanic. So I've always said these programs are kind of like giant, you know, cruise ships type things where it just takes a long time to turn a direction for the Titanic. The moment you see water, it's too late. <laughs> you know, you, you have, <laughs> you, you know, it's by the time you've realized you've taken on that much water, it's, it's too, too late. And, that may have been something that happened with Riley and OU and the OU fandom, the program entirely, that both just got out at the exact same time they needed to get out. Like Lincoln Riley would never have been as marketable as he would have been at this point in time. I think if if the you know offensive line continued the way we think it could have continued, the defense continued to slip, uh, all of a sudden his dynamic wide receivers weren't quite turning out and the you know things of that nature, you know, you cash out when you can cash out. And I think that's probably what happens. But as you mentioned, you lose your top flight wide receivers. The only wide receiver you have of note would be a soft, true sophomore Mario Williams at that point in time would be your number one wide receiver. Uh, you still lose all your best running backs. Um, you lose Harrington for sure at this point in time, who's potentially a starter at one of the key positions in Brent Riddle's defense. But you get to you get to hold on to McClutchin maybe. Um the only thing you could see that Riley would have done was that probably attracted some more top flight transfer types to kind of bring them mm-hmm. in. That was something he was very good at. I won't, I will not, you know, say wouldn't have happened, but then you could easily start saying, well, how long can he keep this up? 
Like how long can you keep one year band-aiding a program? Like that was already kind of coming up with the quarterback situation for a little bit. You know, you, you had, uh, you know, Kyler, then you had Hurts. And it's like, how long can you keep just bringing guys in for one, two year rentals before you need to start looking at some major foundational stuff? And the Bob Stoops Foundation had com- at this point in time completely eroded eroded away for, you know, basically. So I, I think fans would have been more upset because you would have seen such a lackluster team after being promised. I mean, he even said that his goal was to win a national championship last year at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, said that out loud publicly for everyone to hear. And I think it would have been a lot more, in my mind, stressful. And, um, you know, as as Matt mentioned on Sunday, it it's, uh, wouldn't have been as tremendous of content. <laughs> but we could have been a lot angry, like a more of like a simmering stew instead of a boiling pot to a certain degree of our anger levels. Yeah, Matt, I mean, you interact with the fans. You take the calls. What do you think it would have been like? Oh, man, I, uh, you know, if for one thing, too, we mentioned guys leaving, like who's to say Caleb Williams doesn't also leave as well. I mean, I know he joined Lincoln Riley out, out at USC, but um, like who's to say he doesn't at least shop around and enter the transfer portal and be like, hey, how much money can I make? You know, how much money is out there for me to make? I feel like that was another thing that was uh we've heard rumblings that was kind of important to Caleb's dad, uh, Carl. Mm. So, I mean, even if he does come back to Oklahoma, he still flirts with the transfer portal. How does that go over with OU fans? Like, you know, and all this stuff. Um, So I I don't know. Well, obviously we'll never know, but uh, as far as like, if, if Lincoln was still here going into the next season, you know, there there was always the fans like if Lincoln doesn't win this year, then like let's let's get rid of him. Let's get rid of you. Got to get rid of him. Yada yada. I, you just kind of brush those people out. I think there would have been more. I think there would have been more of that with Lincoln Riley, and I'm sure even when we could be like, hey, they underperformed, but they still won 11 games. But I I would have probably been on the radio mm-hmm. being like. Hey, give them, give, give them the benefit of the doubt. Things didn't go right. There was some internal, you know, yada, yada, uh, you know, with the spin, with the quarterback stuff, um, what happened with Spencer and then Caleb coming in, like there was internal stuff that was out of Lincoln's control. Like, it, you know, I would yeah. have been that guy. I would have been that guy. I'm sure. And everyone would have been like, shut up, Matt. You don't know what the, what the hell you're talking <laughs> about. Basically. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I mean like, yeah, you're probably right. I probably don't. But um, so I think it would have been more of that. I think that would have been, more in like the unrest would have been a lot more uh or a lot heavier coming into this season yeah you know it's it's one of those things where like i'm not saying anybody would have been putting lincoln riley on the hot seat or anything like that no and heck i mean like if they had had another season like 2021 and 2022 even then i don't think you're you're seeing lincoln riley on the hot seat or anything like that but it's just kind of I don't know. It's it, as a fan, I felt like we saw this during the Bob Stoops era, where oh. like they were OU was really, really good, like almost every year, like without fail, right? But you also were in this cycle where it became the story of like, well, what's what's he going to do to get OU kind of back over the hump, or what's he going to get do to get you know kind of back to the top of the mountain there, and like. I mean, like after a while, it just kind of got old, like that, that, that kind of conversation. And, you know, uh, you can only kind of reinvent yourself or what have you so many times, you know, where, where like, I don't know, at least, I guess 
I guess I'm thankful in the sense that like this offseason has been interesting to watch um a new coach come in and put his stamp on the program, right? Like what are they doing differently? You know, new schemes to break down all this stuff. Like to me, that part of it is the thing that I guess I would say, like as a fan, I actually appreciate. Um, I mean, obviously, if Bulls is winning football games, I'm not going to appreciate him as much. Yeah. But, but you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just been, I, 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 it's a different vibe in that sense. And I don't know that it's, it's worse than it would have been, if that makes sense. I, I think, honestly, I mean, I guess to be the biggest OU homers I can be, I think it obviously it's better off because if you just look at how Lincoln Riley has recruited, I mean, it's obviously a great recruiter, but you look at how the style of the classes and the makeup of those classes, could he have been the style of a recruiter to get OU ready for this move to the SEC? Anywhere near the, the, the sort of level that Brent seems to be already have engaged his team in a full body, uh, you know, composition change mm-hmm. in one recruiting class <laughs> I mean, right I, I just don't know if riley would have had that in him like he he does like you said can he reinvent himself i don't know if riley is anything other than what he is now that's he, no one's nick saban <laughs> no no yeah. one has adopted these many different things over and, and mastered the hurry up offense mastered the rpo like, over and over and over again and lincoln riley being you know who he is is still a top five head coach and called football more than likely Mm-hmm. You know, you we can split straws and say somebody else should be in there, but he's probably up there. But can can could he have been the, the head coach of the lead OU into the SEC? That I think would not have turned out as well, potentially. Mm-hmm. I think you would have been more of like an a really talented old miss type of situation, um, which would have been really good, would have won a lot of football games, but I don't know if it would have placated the hunger the fan base had. Uh, for winning number eight yeah yeah i mean it's a what if you know but we've got actual football to talk about Uh, oh yeah again we talked we went over all the week zero action on our last show we've got but now we've actually got an actual ou game to talk about the uh, utep miners coming in and i want to focus more kind of on some of the news from Norman, as opposed to what you'll be seeing on the field on saturday uh you know we saw our first depth chart on uh monday uh unlike some programs that wanted to uh keep everybody in the dark brent venables was fully transparent put it put the depth chart out there um you know i think that some of the there were a few things that really stuck out uh to me and, and i think to people you know looking at it not much on the offensive side of the ball uh, you know, we saw that Davis Bevel is going to be the backup quarterback, but that was kind of what everybody already assumed. Yes. Uh, I think that maybe one thing, uh, defense, though, I mean, there were a lot more oars in those first two lines, you know, that I think mm-hmm. people expected. Um, particularly, let's start off well with one guy on the defensive line, Jalen Redmond, who is certainly the highest ceiling player, I think, right now on this team. Um He's, uh, you know, listed as an or there on the on the uh, defensive tackle spot with uh, who's the other one? Um, uh, Jordan Kelly with Jordan Kelly. That's right. Who's more of a guy who we've seen is solid and a plugger, but he's not, you know, the kind of presence that Redmond's supposed to be. Anything to take away from that? I mean, other than just the fact that we've heard Redmond's been beat up, yeah. uh, and it, it 
it's just the same story with him. I mean, he is the highest rated. I mean, he's the highest potential guy on this, uh, uh, especially on the defense. We've seen him, I believe it was like last year or two years ago, maybe it's the 2020 season where he like led the team or well, like tied the team in sacks while we kind of playing in that not as many games due to his own health injuries and stuff. Like he is capable of being a complete difference maker from that defensive tackle position, which all the best Brent Venables defenses has had a major difference. I mean, I guess you could really say all best defenses. If you have mm-hmm. a difference maker, a defensive tackle, yeah, you're starting of off pretty good. Um, I think it just that just probably plays, and it's something I wrote in kind of a breakdown of that. It just it just goes to show maybe he's been more banged up, but also credit to Jordan Kelly for you know there's a crack in the door to start, and he seems to have taken it. I mean, like you said, he's kind of a guy. He's been there the entire time, I believe. A tr- was a a red shirt senior, so I'm like he's been there. This mm-hmm. is it. So I mean, good on him for getting there, and um. Is that has all positive talk from everything I've read from uh, from the coaches and stuff moving forward. I just hope that Redmond can get healthy and that he's actually the one starting the bulk of these snaps moving forward. Yeah, that's my take too. Um, name that another name that kind of rang out looking at this R. Mason Thomas. Uh, he's listed as a uh, you know on the second line along with. One defensive end position with Marcus Stripling and the other with Jonah Laulu. Uh, Matt, have you heard anything? I mean, what, it, the takeaways have all been pretty, pretty positive on uh, Thomas, and I, I mean, I guess that we're seeing that there indicated. No. Yeah, when I was on with uh, with Eddie a couple weeks ago, he was talking about our Mason Thomas getting a ton of work in practice and looking good doing it. I mean, that's like there's not many freshmen as i'm looking down that are actually that actually appear on defense in this depth chart um but you got like grayson halton um jaron canick which everyone kind of assumed that he would be there and then robert spears jennings who i mean like we've we've said great things about um Mm. as far as him just like looking the part like especially just like uh the body type there at the safety position but like coming into that i don't think anyone would have guessed R. Mason Thomas, even if we did a three deep. No, even if we did mm-hmm. a three deep, like the other day on our episode, if we did three deep, I don't think R. Mason Thomas is showing up on any of our uh, three deep. So for, uh, for him to make this appearance, it just goes to show you that, I mean, this kid must be showing something really good uh, in practice. Cause I mean, he's passed up a guy like Clayton Smith, who's a former five-star guy. Um, and in his second year, like, I mean, and mm-hmm. like, not only that, we talked about, or we we've talked about, maybe they want to put some more weight on, you know, Clayton Smith, like maybe that's it. Maybe it's a body type issue, but our Mason Thomas is six two two twenty two. Like, I mean, he's kind of around that same body type as Clayton Smith was, if not lighter than Clayton Smith is. So like, uh, that's just a, goes, goes to show, at least to me that the, the dude is just making plays in practice. So, uh, good, good for our Mason Thomas. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah. I mean, good find by uh, the new coaching staff too. Uh, Peyton, uh, should we be worried about Clayton Smith? Well, Clayton Smith, I got him up, pull up right here, six four two forty five. So a similar body type, but a bigger, a bigger yeah. body, <laughs> a, yeah. a bigger body. He's someone who I bought in very, very early on when people were talking about him as like potential. Like this is a top flight NFL style football player that OU is about to get, you know, and it's something that 
Uh, I was very excited to see, very excited to see someone come off the edge of that amount of size. But if I, I just don't know if if it's the level of football he played, you know, in, in East Texas behind the pines. Uh, Mm-hmm. At, at, I cannot yeah. remember the the Texas comedian guy who, who broke down the regions of Texas. Uh, <laughs> um, um, but maybe that's it. But then you see somebody like Canick who played like what two A football in Kansas, and he's already on the two deep. So yeah. It's it's I'm just not for sure, man. Maybe it just I, I am worried about it. I, I'm now in the whole thing of like, is he just bust potential, and he's going to be a journeyman guy, get his degree and maybe make some waves in his senior year when stuff starts clicking or something. Um, it, it's kind of, it sucks to see because he was someone I was extremely, extremely excited for. Um, but like, look at R. Mason Thomas real quick. Just a guy who was a, what was he like a last second edition kind of stolen mm-hmm. from Iowa state Very in, in late, late yeah. in the cycle. So, I mean, this team, I mean, just talking about Brent Venables finding talent, he can find you defensive lineman <laughs> and get them going. Right. But the, the Clayton Smith stuff, to me, that sucks. He's someone that had a lot. I had a lot like internal hope to see him start and and be fast. But now looking back at that spring game, it did seem kind of like he was just kind of running around all over the place. They had him kind of like in space a lot. Um, maybe he's too big for like yeah. an outside stand up. Like I just don't think his position exists. That right. stand up, uh, you know, rush end just doesn't quite exist uh, on this team, and he's kind of getting lost in the shuffle. Right. Yeah. No, I'm with you. That's another thing too, that I'm we're like talking about this. Like, I don't know if maybe he's been kind of banged up, but I mean, Brenton didn't really say anything or no one's really said anything about him being banged up. But as far as like, I mean, Brent, I feel like he was pretty good about like, I mean, he's talked about Jalen Redmond was out with concussion Mm -hmm. for a little Mm bit. Um, But other than that, he just says like, he was kind of vague as like uh, just normal, you know, training camp bumps and bruises, but so I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm talking about this because I, I was excited for Clayton Smith too. I mean, that's a five-star defensive end that you get a, a mm-hmm. couple of years or a couple of years ago. Who's not going to be excited about him yeah. uh, coming to your team. So um, now it's old news. I mean, Oh, he's just right. getting those. They're every just get, yeah. <laughs> every single cycle. Yeah. Just write it down in Sharpie. Right, right, right. Well, we'll uh, we'll come back to linebacker, but let's talk about the secondary real quick. Um, I guess the story here really is Jaden Davis. Uh, the the smoke coming out of camp that he was uh, that he had really stepped up. I guess it all came it came to fruition. He's uh, listed as the first cornerback uh, on one side of the field. The other side of the field uh, is Woody Washington, as expected. Maybe kind of the the. More interesting uh, point here, though, is DJ Graham is running second string, and he is behind, listed behind Woody Washington. Now, I don't know, you know, one of the things that I, I noticed, and, you know, uh, Venables feel the question about this today during the press conference was, you've got kind of bigger bodies over at that one position with Woody Washington and Graham. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third string, right? Third string, there's Kanai Walker. You know, you look over on the other side, uh, you know, those are smaller guys, you know, like Josh Eaton's over there. He's what, 183. You've got CJ mm-hmm. Colton, 179 pounds. Is maybe, is, I mean, is this a, is this an indicator of what they might be trying to do with the two different cornerback positions? One maybe potentially gets more involved, like in the run fits, or is it just we've got, you know, just how the chips fell. 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I watched that press conference and um, complete. I mean, uh, just complete of a of a snoozer of a thing. But oh, you know, God. uh, Brent did say it's like, hey, we're just looking for football players. You know, that's it. We're putting them out there, and he kind of. I actually wrote a note. I was like, man, he did kind of completely hand wave that question about mm-hmm. like answering scheme type stuff. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like it didn't. It seemed like he was just kind of really. I don't want to say down because he also talked about the, the red shirt question, which um, saying like we're just not deep enough of a team to say people are going to red start a red shirt right now. And that's the first time it made me kind of like stop for half a second to think about the team. Like, OK, maybe maybe I shouldn't be as hopeful because I was kind of buying into like, hey, we're going <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we're blowing and going here. But you kind of hear that hint in his voice of being like. We're just trying to find guys. Uh, yeah. It made me think a little bit more. Well, maybe this isn't going to be quite, it, there's going to be more bumps in the road than I, I had been able to kind of pave over in my mind. But yeah, if you look at the depth chart, that's a clear delineation, which I hadn't, hadn't seen until you just said it. So I guess you'd put the smaller guys uh, to the field. Uh, I mean, to the boundary. So you can have the, the field. Well, there's uh, there again, there's different ways to, to, slice that because yeah maybe you put a, you put the smaller guys to the field uh knowing that you're gonna have more likely to have safeties and linebackers in the run fit yeah to yeah the strength true, of the true. formation uh or maybe or maybe i don't know i i'm i really don't know exactly i mean i haven't seen any indication that they were planning on playing you know field and boundary corners um it looked to me more like you're just going to either be right or left yeah, he but, said right left. He didn't say yeah. field boundary. He didn't like that idea. Like that's he, he almost had like a, a response when, yeah. the, when the question said field or boundary. Um, which sometimes like head coaches and football players, if you try to speak like you know what you're talking about, they kind of get like turned off immediately. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you have no idea. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only uh, thing I the thing I don't like, I will say don't like, I mentioned it in the in, in my write-up. Your starting line is 5'10", 5'10", 6'1", 5'11". It just seems like we're just going to be small again (laughs) to a certain degree. And that does suck, but hopefully they're able to kind of grow up in in the next couple of years. But yeah, I mean, like strong safety, the the biggest ones, uh, what, Harmon at 6 foot 180? I mean, Mm -hmm. the safeties are small. Key's the biggest big boy out there. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But yeah, uh, Jaden Davis... I, stock went up people bought it i guess he he was one of the benefits of the uh fresh start clean slate kind of guy you know mm-hmm. and, and brent even said like who was who who were you guys expecting and someone said yeah, dj that like, was I, huh? yeah <laughs> it's like, uh, like <laughs> well you guys? he's like well he, <laughs> he you know he's like jane jane davis more consistent you know i mean it's, it's funny because i mean that's the thing is they're there at practice we're not you know so yeah. um one name too. You brought up Keith Lawrence there at free safety. Uh, he's listed as an or on the first string with Justin Broyles. Um, uh, is that a motivational thing? Is that about keeping Broyles? Uh, I, I think it's very clear that this coaching staff wants Broyles to have a presence on the team uh, and within you know within whatever it is they're doing. So, you know, you kind of wonder, like, I guess what's going on there? Because Lawrence is, was considered, you know, coming into the season as a surefire. They're one of their top, you know, top defensive returnees from last year. Well, Broyles is a 
he's a captain. So maybe that has yeah. something to do with that. I mean, and I know they talked about there's going to be week to week captains. Uh, that's not something I'm used to seeing out, out of these teams. Usually it's like a season long type thing, but uh, I mean, maybe Burroughs being a captain, maybe he is more of that vocal guy who was kind of keeping everyone put together. I think I remember reading some stuff of him like turning over a new leaf when it comes to this stuff, being very vocal about the defense, making sure that secondaries running the drills are supposed to be doing it, uh, you know, kind of help being kind of like that player coach to a certain degree. And honestly, maybe that's just a, ra- a way to reward him and make sure he's out there. But just from a pure physicality level, uh, I, I hope I hope it's a motivational thing and I hope it's a an attaboy on the shoulder type thing, uh, t- to be honest with you. Because if he is who we think he is, then he, he should be not leaving the field. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my take on it too. So, um, let's let's move over to the linebackers though, because this is, seems to be an again kind of you know generating a lot of discussion. And I remember when we were putting together our depth chart, we kind of had so many different permutations of what you might do here. And you mentioned having a bigger, more physical presence there in the secondary. Well, uh, Justin Harrington is playing is backing up. It says right now at the cheetah spot. Uh, Deshaun White, uh, Harrington, you know, is a uh, Juco transfer who's kind of, you know, just uh, got kind of bogged down the past couple of years. Sounds like he's really turned a corner, though, with this coaching staff. And, you know, he's a bigger guy, 6'3", 215. Um, I guess, though, you know, I mean, they're rolling with Deshaun White, it sounds like, at, che- at the cheetah position, which means that uh, David Guaybu is going to be your starting Mike linebacker. Danny Stutzman is going to be your starting Will. I don't know. Uh, there still seems to be so many questions about uh, what Venables is doing or what how he envisions that spot playing out. Uh, is it a good or a bad thing that uh, Deshaun White is, the, is on the first line there? Well, I, I do want to give a big shout-out to um... – myself for nailing this linebacker <laughs> position. <laughs> uh, it, uh, I think I think how we handled that 2D podcast is how Brent seems t- to be handling this. In my mind, I wouldn't read... I don't know. It, it's kind of like I'm reading this thing and there's not an or. It says that Sean White is the starter. Mm-hmm. To me, I, don't, I wouldn't trust that until I see him line up against like TCU and he's still trotting out there. You know what I mean? Like if you're yeah. gonna, if it's a, it's a full spread for wide receiver thing, to me Harrington is going to be the starter at that position. Now maybe, to me that's the flex- flexible position. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the only position, the only thing on this depth chart that uh, the haters are trying to really hammer on. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's a cheetah position, and even Brent talked about it in the press conference. He's like, it's a really every who's got any cheetah questions everyone's asking them so yeah uh i think that's just your best three linebackers if yeah. you look at them as pure linebackers those are your best three linebackers get your best three guys on the field uh if you got david Oguebu and and uh, uh danny stutzman both six four two fifty ish you've got some big time size in the middle it's going to be commanding all that stuff I mean, Sean White has to do literally nothing except for just like be a wash player and, and you know, yeah. cover cover a tight end over, you know, just for a little bit. Like he doesn't have to do a ton of stuff. Maybe there's some stuff there. Maybe. I mean, Deshaun White isn't Brian Osamoa. I mean, if it was Brian Osamoa mm-hmm. running a 4-4, I'd be more like, yeah, sure, no big deal. But White isn't quite the same level of athlete. So maybe. I I, I don't see him in practice. I don't see how he, can, how he flips his hips and stuff. Um, 
what do you think? I mean, do you think it's purely just this for this game? <laughs> or yeah, well, this okay. is it? You know, it's funny you bring up Asamoah. Um, I actually ran by, ran all this by uh, Michael Felder, a friend of mine. He's uh, you know analyst for Stadium. Everybody knows him. He's in the bleachers uh, on mm-hmm. Twitter. Uh, and he talked about he the first thing he brought up was Asamoah, and what he said was, "I really, you know, it would have been nice for them if Asamoah had stuck around because he could have nailed yeah. that position. He would have been great there. You know, he, he what he talked about was you know kind of thinking more about." embracing the mentality of what you have to do there um you know and and how hard that is to kind of teach in in eight months maybe but you know setting all that aside one of the things that you know venables mentioned he keeps talking about well we've got all these different body types but he also talks about all the different guys who have played that sam linebacker position throughout the years for Mm -hmm. his defenses both at ou and at clemson and one of the things that he, you know, brought up was like you kind of tailor what you're doing defensively to the guys that you have so that, you know, I mean, if a guy isn't as good in the run fits, you know, you're not asking him to to drop down into the run boxes often. Um, you know, if he's if he doesn't cover as well, will you give him some help? Like you know, just because you don't have an Isaiah Simmons or a Trent Simpson, uh, that kind of just athletic freak at that spot doesn't mean that, you know, it's, you're just completely, you're completely done for. Now, if you go back, I, I wrote an article on this for Crimson Cream Machine. Um, I think it would have been last week, maybe week four, but looking back at how some of the stuff that Venables did in the past couple seasons, essentially, you know, he was using Trenton Simpson uh, as their Sam linebacker. And also, I mean, essentially kind of like a nickel, but one of the things that he did was uh, against some spread sets, for example, like in their game against Wake Forest at times he was dropping Simpson back to essentially play like center field, almost um, keeping the four down lineman, but moving him back and then potentially shifting up one of the safeties to cover like a slot receiver. Uh, which is, you know, a better going to be a better man-to-man matchup than uh, anything White could do there. Now, is you know, or probably Simpson or a linebacker could do there. Now, that doesn't seem to me like it's a huge ask for Deshaun White if you just tell him, "Hey, you're going to be essentially playing like a Tampa two linebacker, except you're already drop, you're already you've already made your drop." You know what I mean? Like that seems fairly doable from a coverage standpoint. There's also the, you know, I think that there's going to be a 3-3-5 look at some point or, you know, the 3-3-3, I guess, is technically what Iowa yeah, State that's calls stack. it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there you could have Deshaun White playing Sam linebacker and then just pull one of your defensive linemen off the field and play uh, a third safety. So that could be Harrington or Broyles, for example. Um, I just, is it a problem? I mean, it's only a problem if you're thinking, well, this defense only works if the Sam linebacker is, you know, is some kind of superstar. And I mean, don't forget that OU had a lot of success with guys like Lewis Baker playing Sam linebacker or Joseph Abilaway. Like, you know, so these aren't really like NFL, uh, NFL stars, you know what I mean? Like they're not, or not the kinds of like freaks that Simmons and Simpson are. So it it can be done. Yeah, it can be done. It's also just like, the idea of 
man, I had an idea. It's the same thing about the NFL stuff. You don't have to have just complete other studs every single position to, to make this stuff work. Um, especially if you do that three, three stack type thing where you have that tight front, you're, you're really looking to causing chaos. And I think maybe with the linebacker and the wheel stuff that kind of makes sense. I mean, look how big those dudes are. Those mm-hmm. are big boys. Those are bigger than most of the Clemson linebackers right? <laughs> uh, yeah. that, that, that they've had out there. Uh, and th- that said, usually his linebacker cores at Clemson, if I remember right, were in the two twenty two thirty range. So these dudes are, I mean, you can tell they're, 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 now you're you're working with what you were dealt to a certain degree. I, mm-hmm. I know he didn't. He might not have shot for David Aguebu, but he got him. And you you know, like I said yeah. you need to tailor stuff to what he's good at. Um, but I mean that th- these are big solid guys out there, and you have to put. And if that's going to be the case, if you're looking at now it's a three three stack, or maybe you're looking at maybe some of your defensive ends, you're not as deep as you want to be, or something. All of a sudden. Yeah, these linebackers need to be bigger so they can be these bigger run fits and stuff like that. And if that's going to be the case, then yeah, Deshaun White's miscast in that situation at six foot two twenty. You know, he needs mm-hmm. to be out there if Harrington, who's basically the same size. I mean, six three is yeah. taller, but basically the exact same uh, you know height, just a little bit longer and stuff. Uh, I, I do want to give a shout out to what seems to be uh, the two thousand. 22 version of brian mead uh jake mccoy uh, congratulations <laughs> uh if he's ever on the field for extended period of time a former walk-on so it's cool to see that out there but totally a brian mead type situation uh yeah i hope he has a scholarship if he's on the two deep i have no idea if that's true or not matt do we have an update do we have a scholarship update on uh, jake mccoy uh, i have no idea I have okay. absolutely no <laughs> idea uh but i can't <laughs> imagine if aguebu goes down that jake mccoy is going to be the one yeah, yeah something tells me, me I'm yeah sorry, uh, <laughs> something tells me they'll Jared be moving Kanick. around yeah, <laughs> yeah Jerry Kanick, Shane Witter or somebody else is, is coming in yeah I, I do like McCoy's vibe though like he's not Brian Mead in the sense that he's uh you know I mean Mead was a very kind of meat and potatoes type guy it looks like McCoy's got a little bit more uh pizzazz to him you know so uh definitely you always need you always need those guys out there right so yeah and then, uh, like, what did, CJ came in late, didn't he? CJ Colden. Yeah, I think that probably held him back in that competition. Yeah, if I had to guess. That sucks. That sucks. Yeah. And Brent did mention that in the press conference, saying some of this too deep is just based on who they had. <laughs> yeah. You know, throughout throughout the throughout the off season and stuff, and you're installing a lot of stuff over eight months, and if you're not there the full eight months, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and his defense is complex. There's no way around that. So. All right. Well, um, I'll be having Mike Craven of uh, Dave Campbell, Texas football coming on uh, next couple of days. That'll be behind our paywall. You can sign up for our Patreon, of course, at, uh, you know, the, uh, through the keyhole on the Patreon uh, site. Uh, he'll give us uh, some more insight into what uh, to expect from UTEP. But, I mean, it's opening week. So what games are you guys, like, excited to watch besides OU? Matt, I mean, anything I know you'll be working, but, I mean, what will you have your eye on? Um, yeah, that that is the only downfall of working all day. The, the only <laughs> game I really get to watch is the OU game. So uh, that's <laughs> fine. But, uh, so I'll cop out. I'm excited to see Oklahoma State because they play on a Thursday. So I'm able well, to watch them. Go, yeah. I'll be able to watch them. Uh, I'm sure I'll tune into the Backyard Bowl, too. Is that on Thursday as well, the Pitt-West yeah, Virginia game? It is. I th- yeah. I'll, I'll tune into that as well. Uh, I'll get most of my college football watching on uh, done on Thursday because, yeah, I'm, I can only watch the OU games on, <laughs> <laughs> on uh, Saturdays. Right, right. Peyton, what about you, man? What uh, What are you looking forward to? 
Well, I think I'm going to be a um, a, a complete. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because you're you're working too, right? Yeah, I'll be working, but I'll be a complete cop out. I'll be paying attention to the uh, to to the just the big giant games. Oregon, uh, Georgia. I'm very interested to see how that handles. I want to see if the if the talent drain has impacted Georgia. Uh, if they can sus- sustain like Alabama has, where it doesn't matter how many people they lose, they're still going to be there. I think. Oregon is a decent test mm-hmm. to, to, to test that theory. And then also um, the, uh, I've got two other ones, Utah, Florida, because I think Florida in the past has had issues with teams that can out talent them. Uh, that, that happened. Uh, but at the same time, they can, they can beat you up if you're, if you're, if you're a finesse team. So I'm really mm-hmm. interesting to see if Florida can kind of mess them up with the talent they have, the athletes they have. And then, um, uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, mainly because I want Ohio State the dog stomp Notre Dame, so Peyton Bowen will then flip to University. Of <laughs> well, I mean, I think you're going to get your wish there. Because I think I'm going to get it no that, matter what. Yeah, yeah, like that. I mean, that spreads up to like 17 and a half points. Notre Dame's had a lot of injury issues. Uh, I mean, this is setting up to be a not competitive game there in uh, Marcus Freeman's true debut as the head coach of the Notre Dame fighting Irish uh, there. He's going back to his Omar there in Columbus. Uh, the, you mentioned that the Utah Florida one is interesting to me too. Um, you know, Florida, you, who knows what to expect first game with the new head coach and Billy Napier. Um, but Utah's got to go all the way across country. You know, if you've been paying attention to the uh, point spreads on that one, Florida opened as a favorite back like in May. It swung all the way over. Now uh, Utah's a, a three-point favorite, and it seems to be still going up. Uh, so that's one I'll be keeping an eye on myself. The Georgia-Oregon one's really interesting because, I mean, you know, you've got Dan Lanning in his first game as head coach yep. at Oregon taking on the uh, his uh, former uh, – I forget how what he would be the pad one, right? And then uh yes, I guess yes. that would make Kirby the Jedi Master or whatever. So um and I'm and from what I understand, what I what we've been hearing about Oregon on the recruiting trail, he picked up all of Kirby's old tricks. Uh, <laughs> so uh yeah, no, I think that's interesting. And uh, you know, you'll be want you'll want to see kind of what uh what he can keep it keep and I guess you know, if he can kind of keep what Cristobal had going there at Oregon. And then, you know, that Sunday night game could be interesting too. Florida State and LSU. I believe they're playing there in New Orleans at the Superdome. Yes. Uh, everybody wants to see Brian Kelly fish out of water, you know, what he what that looks like. Uh and man, you know, Florida State, it's just it's it's a lot like Nebraska from you know, in the sense of what they used to be, you know, back in the heyday. And now like you just wonder like when or how will they get that back on track? Yeah. Also, too. Sorry, I just realized this again. The Oklahoma State game on Thursday. It's a revenge game. It's a revenge game. They're playing Central Michigan. The Chippewas. uh, Jim McElwain's there now. Shout out Jim McElwain. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I just don't. I don't think Cooper Rush. I don't think what's the what was the (laughs) tight end's name? Conklin. Was it Tyler Conklin or? Oh God, man! Something like that. That tight end was really good. He's stuck in the league for a bit, but I don't think they're walking through that door. I think Oklahoma State should be just fine. Yeah, that's my that's my impression too. And uh, you know, there's a couple like Friday night games too. So it's I mean, I don't know. This week's always so much fun, like just actually being inundated again. Uh, you know, as in the words of Brent Venables, drinking from the fire hose <laughs> in mm-hmm. the uh in the first week of the season. 
All right. Well, guys, man, is there anything we missed? Anything else we got to uh, we got to talk about? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I think we kind of handled everything. Um, if you're still listening, uh, follow uh, at Keyhole Pod on Twitter. He'll be uh, Davis runs that account for us. Once we get uh, the Sunday details down, we'll be tweeting out the, the times in which you can visit Matt and a potential mysterious co-host uh, to be on location with Matt. Um, but yeah, just uh, follow everyone on Twitter. Um, I, I think it's it's going to be a fun season. We're going to get a lot of content out there um, and just let's have a good time. Let's kick it off right. Yeah, make sure to sign up, as I mentioned, for our Patreon account. Uh, if you do that, you can participate in our weekly uh, or season-long, I guess, pick them challenge. Uh, the winners will have some prizes for you, including an autographed bottle of rock and roll tequila by uh, legendary OU coach Bob Stoops. Um, also, you know, we'll have more episodes. I'll probably do a weekly handicapping uh, episode. And, you know, we'll have stuff like I mentioned, like uh, my interview tomorrow with Mike Craven of Dave Campbell, Texas football. So, again, I think that kind of covers everything except for maybe one last boomer. Boomer.